Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys today? Yeah, you look great today. Uh, so glad you're here today. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors uh, around here at LifePoint. If you're new here or if this is your first time here, we just want to say a big old welcome to you. Thank you for being here. Hopefully you got warmly welcomed out there, got some good coffee on your way in. We, uh, we love hanging out with you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, a couple things. Uh, today uh, we launch our Life Group season. Uh, in your chair, yeah, there's, some of you are excited about it. In your chair is a little card that says Life Groups. On the back of it is a little code little QR code. If you have a phone with a QR reader, you can just download it for free. If you don't, you can scan that and you can get a lot from information. Uh, as you leave today, there's a tent set up. You probably saw it on your way in and there are life group leaders out there who'd love to tell you about their groups. We'll be doing this over the next few weeks and then we launch these groups in, in the first week of February. And uh, we just believe that it's just, life is better uh, when we're in circles and not just in rows like this. L rows are awesome, but we just think Circles are better. Anyway, so check it out on your way out the door. It's going to be uh, awesome. Two weeks from today, football Sunday. The, the world calls it Super Bowl Sunday, but if we call it that, apparently we'll get sued by the NFL, so we call it Football Sunday. You're welcome. And, uh, and it's coming, and it's going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun on that day, a lot of free food, a lot of free uh, merchant stuff that we're going to be giving away, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great time to invite friends and family, even people who don't like, eh, I don't like church. They, they, they might like this one. I can't guarantee it, because how do you guarantee that people are going to like something? But they might like it, and uh, this would be, be a great chance to do that. So do that with us, if you don't mind. So we're in a series um, that we're calling Better, as you saw there. And the idea is not that we're trying to be perfect, uh, and whatever the area of life is that we try to, to get better at, we're just trying to get better. Um, we've said all along the way, it's practice, uh, not perfect. We, it, we used to say practice makes perfect, but we all know that's not really true, because there's no such thing. Practice, though, does make better. And so we've been saying, hey, this year, we're going to start at the beginning of the year just trying to put God first, making God our very first priority. And here's what we said. When you give God the first and the best, he blesses the rest. Would you say that with me? When you give God the first and the best, he blesses the rest. And that's true in every uh, area of life. And so we're just trying to move life forward in, in, in all these various ways. So I asked you last week, um, two questions. And the first one is this, what is God leading me towards? If I'm over here uh, and, 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 and I'm trying to get there, what, what, is, what is it that God's leading me towards? And so we have to think about that. We have to pray around that. And the second thing would be then, what's my next step? If that's where God has me and I'm here, what's my next step? And the other thing we said, and this is all set up for today's message as well, <clears throat> is that in life, there is the ideal and then there is the real. Um, the very first week I showed you a picture of the guy that plays Thor and he's a really good looking and shaped dude And then I showed you the guy that I look like which is apparently Jim Gaffigan because I get asked if I'm Jim Gaffigan all of the time There's the ideal Thor and then there's the real me Jim Gaffigan apparently um, And there's a gap between the ideal and the real and sometimes the gap is so big so daunting that we're like man forget it I'm never gonna pay off that debt. I'm never gonna get finished college. I'm never gonna whatever it is And so we just do nothing and we're saying, don't get hung up by how far the gap is. Just start somewhere by doing something, by taking steps. Then, when it comes to spiritual matters, Jesus, and this has been our key text all throughout the series, it will be next week as well. Jesus gave us this ideal. 
Um, and he says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all this other stuff that everybody else is worried about will be given to you as well. We say that's a hard thing because sometimes we're like, bro, I would love to be able to say that I'm putting God first in every area of my life, but the truth is I'm over here in real. That's ideal. I'm here in real, and we're saying don't get beat up by real. Jesus always, if you go look through his gospels and his teachings, he always pointed towards an ideal, a, a lofty notion, but he always gave grace for the real. Can I get an amen on that, right? He's like, hey, this is the best way forward. It's hard. It might take you some time, but I want to tell you I'm going to give you grace in the middle, but I'm never going to stop pointing you towards um, the ideal. So last week we talked about practices. We've been talking about practices, the practices of prayer and fasting, which we're, we're in 21 days. Today's day 15. A lot of us are ready to eat real food again and, and not having to wake up at five in the morning to come to church. Anyways, but it's been amazing, by the way. It's been absolutely amazing. Those of you who've joined us, I, I wish you'd say a good amen. It's been amazing um, on Saturday and on, on Monday through Friday. Uh, last week we talked about the practice of serving and by the way we have growth track today right after this service it's going to be in a building right over here if you want to know how do I serve and how do I plug in and how do I get involved that's a great place to start there's lunches down there child care is uh, not there it's up there but you can have child care as well and there'll be people outside as soon as this service is over to kind of lead you and guide you over there you don't have to have sign up you can just show it up show up they got plenty of food and all that over there today I want to talk about the practice of generosity uh, over the last few weeks, I've, I, I have a pastor that I admire, and I try to learn from in terms of how they do things, and, 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 and admire his teachings. He's one of the smartest guys ever. His name is Pastor Andy Stanley. He's in uh, North Point Church in, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, and then he's got, they've got locations all over the uh, country. But he did a teaching about finances and money that was so impactful to me and it's going to influence this, this message today for sure. It's so powerful, so potent, that in the, our summer session of our small groups, uh, we're going to do a, a, a whole group around it, because I think it's going to be so helpful to people. Um, so, nowhere uh, is this ideal of putting God first uh, more challenging um, for most of us than it is with our finances. And Jesus knew this about us, and so he was so brilliant when he talked about possessions and money and being and being generous uh, as a matter of fact jesus said more about money and possessions than he did about heaven hell or prayer all combined right he did more talking about that than he did about any of these other things and i think uh, it's true because for some of us we would say if we got the news that there is no money that would be worse news than there is no heaven right some of us would be like real talk if there's no money uh, you know like i can't live with that right and so maybe the reason that he spoke so much about money uh, was because he knew where our hearts and our attention and our focus was, and so he leveraged what was most important to so many of us to get our attention. And I think he taught this way, not because he wanted something from us so much as, as much as he wants something for us. And he knew that money never promises more than it can actually deliver. The, the promise being, as soon as you get a little bit more of me, I'll finally deliver. Money never promises us that. Culture does, um, advertisers do, but money doesn't ever say that. And I think that if money, you're like, well, money doesn't talk. But yeah, it kind of does talk. Like, and if money could talk, I think there's some things that it would say to us, like, like, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. Come on, somebody. Amen, right? Like, that's pretty good. But money is, is useful, obviously, and, and it, can be, it can be meaningful when you view it as a means to an end, but it's not good at being the end, right? 
and, and, and so we all want our lives. I think most of us would say, I want my life to be more meaningful. And, and the practice of serving is one of the ways. We talked about this last week about how to make life meaningful. And the question that we all have to ask is, do I want my life to ha- have meaning and, and make decisions around that? And if you say yes, your money will follow that decision and it will become a means to an end that goes beyond you. Money will serve you and your values, not the other way around. And I think that's what we all want. You know, any meaningful pursuit in life always requires some level of discipline. I, I remember doing a talk a few years, or I think it was last year, at the beginning of the year, John Maxwell, this leadership guru, says that, that all the things that are worth something in life are uphill, and they take good habits to get them. It takes good discipline to get them, and I think that's true. It, it takes discipline, and, and it even takes self-control. And when it comes to our money, our self-control determines which of us gets control. It's not just true about money, it's true about our, 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 our relationships and all other sorts of things. Our self-control defer- determines which of us gets control, me or my money or you or your money. And this has nothing to do with how much money we have. It has everything to do with how much, uh, uh, what we do with what we have, right? So we would say, if only I had more money, and money would say, if only you had more self-control. Ooh, that was a good one too. Write that down. <laughs> Tweet that out. Um, inst- I don't know. Um, because that's what determines who's in control, me or money, stuff or possessions. And, and, and this is where faith and finances intersect. And, and our Heavenly Father will always, now listen now, our Heavenly Father will always nudge us towards an ideal when it comes to our finances. And yet he'll still give us grace for the real. And somebody should say a good amen about that, right? But he'll never stop pointing us and nudging us towards an ideal. And there is the middle there in the middle between the ideal and the real are practices that will help us take next steps around this. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, in a book in the Bible called Galatians, which is a letter written to a, a church that was in a town called Galatia, uh, Paul writes about the tension that exists between the ideal and the real. There's always a tension. There's always, there's, the ideal is trying to pull you towards it, and the real is like, ah, let's get lazy and go backwards a, a, a little bit. And there's always going to be this tension. And Paul writes to these people who are trying to follow Jesus that there's always going to be a tension as they try to pursue the ideal. There's always going to be something trying to pull them back. And here's what he says about that in verse 16 of chapter 5. He says, so I say, in light of all the tension that exists, walk by the Spirit, And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh is just our native instinct to want to do whatever we want to do, to make life all about us. He says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, right? And the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. Meaning that there's always this tug of war between the ideal and the real. And you and I every day are living in that reality. And those of you who are trying to follow Jesus, I don't care what your pursuit is. Those of you who are trying to lose weight, those of you who are trying to get fit, every day you're like, should I go to the gym or should I just lay on the couch? Should I go to the ideal or should I stay where I'm already at in the real? Come on, and this is, there's a tension right? Should I go eat, eat at a big bucket of carne asada and big red, or should I eat grass and seeds over here, uh, you know? That's my story right now, right? There's a tension. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a desire that my stomach's going, dude, we're hungry for meat, right? And it's like, nah, let's put it away for a while, right? There, that's, that's the tension. It exists, and it, it plays out every day, and this is what Paul is saying right here. There's a tension. There's a tug of war going on all the time. In other words, He says, 
if you want to keep going towards the ideal, he said, here's the solution, walk by the Spirit. You're like, that's kind of weird, it's kind of spooky, spirits, ghosts, all that. No, 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 listen. He's saying I'm to live out every, my everyday life with that tension that is existing, walking in sync with a God conscience. That's what he means when he's talking about the Spirit, a God conscience, that when my direction is pointed towards Jesus, towards following Jesus, which, by the way, following Jesus will make your life better and it will make you better at life. Amen, somebody? So when my direction is pointed towards Jesus, God will begin, through the Holy Spirit, he will begin to nudge you in your conscience. He will begin to change me and change my conscience, and he will help me. He will start to use my conscience to nudge us towards a direction. And remember, direction, not intention, determines destination. It's not how much I feel or think or want to do. It's not how much I want to go to the gym. It's the day that I actually get up and go to the gym. Come on, y'all. Instead of being on the couch. Anyways, direction, not intention, determines destination. i got to put my car in drive, and i got to point myself towards that gym, which I have not done in months. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's real talk. So, it's not about me today. Come on, it's about you. No, I'm kidding. It's about all of us. I'm judging, brother. No. So, so God will start to nudge you in a direction, and, and he won't leave you hanging as he's doing that. He will give you something called the fruit of the Spirit to help you do what you're trying to do. So Galatians chapter 5, Paul says in verse 22, same chapter where he says, walk by the Spirit. He's like, all right, and then he lists all these things, uh, the works of the flesh that are the, the, the natural instincts that we have. And then he's going to say, but here's how the Spirit works, right? He said, the fruit of the Spirit is, is love. How many of you know in our world we need some love? Come on. Because the kind of love that we got that's not from God's Spirit is not really working right now. There's chaos and division and hatred going on. We need the love from the Spirit. We need joy because life and its chaos and its pain and its pressure robs us of joy. I need somebody putting joy back in me because it's all leaking out. Amen, somebody? Right? I need peace, right? I need peace from the Spirit. This is all fruit, byproducts of the Spirit-led life. He said, I need forbearance, which is, which is patience. Come on, y'all. In my natural, I, I have no patience. My wife, if she was sitting there instead of serving out in the lobby right now, she would be like, amen, right? Because I don't have any. I need the Spirit of God to help me, especially on the driveway, come on, in the drive, on the way to work and whatever. Come on, is it just me or is everybody drive terrible? Probably it's just me. I need kindness. I need, I need the Spirit to give me goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And look, and, and say it with me, self-control self-control the holy spirit is going to keep nudging me towards self-control in all things and the reason he's going to nudge us towards self-control in all things is because all these things that are on this list that you just you and i just read there are are at war with our internal natural appetites there's a tension that exists between what I, where I'm at and the real over here and where the ideal is. There's a tension, and these, these things, this fruit of the Spirit is at war with my, na- my native instincts, right? In- in- including our appetite for more stuff and the security we think comes from money, more money, and more money, and more money, and, and-, and-, and more stuff. Money, 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 money. Anyways, 80s people and in- in- in 90s. And-, and we shouldn't be surprised then that God who says he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, and that God who's invited us to relate to him as heavenly father would nudge us towards the ideal uh, with self-control in the same way that I nudge my children to have self-control. 
right? Why? Why do I do this? Is, why does God do this? Why does he nudge us towards self-control? Because he doesn't, is it because he doesn't want you to have fun and enjoy your life? Is it because he wants to take over and ruin your life? No, because God knows what you know, parents. Nobody wants to be mastered by an appetite. We certainly don't want that for our kids because if, if I left my kids to, to go to their appetite, there's something that's about this big that would take over and master their lives. Y'all know what I'm talking about right now? You can, co- you can put it this way too, and it involves thumbs. Nobody has the trouble with that. All right, I see. I see how it's going to be up in here. We're all Christ- Christians, and we don't acknowledge that we struggle with something that looks like this. If I let my kids do whatever they wanted to do, I'd never see their faces again. Come on, y'all. It's uh, real talk, real talk. Like, we don't want that. And so there are a lot of people in this world, and there are probably people in this room, in this church right now, who have spent so much energy and time and money and sweat and tears trying to get free from an appetite that baited into something that they thought was going to be a pastime, but it turned out that it was a pathway to, to pain and a loss of freedom and, and, and a destination that they never wanted to go, do, to go into because an appetite took control of their lives. And if God loves you, then of course your heavenly father doesn't want you to be mastered by an appetite. And so Jesus is talking about getting mastered by things in the same chapter that we've been studying, Matthew 6, nine verses before the verse that says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here's what Jesus says. This is all part of the same discourse. Verse 24, nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, These are the words of Jesus himself, which Paul would later read and hear about. And so Paul, when he's writing Galatians 5, in light of this, is saying, listen, I want you to walk in the Spirit so that you don't give way to your natural appetites, right? One of which is to make life all about you. And he says, God is going to come when you, when you start to walk with God, when you point your life towards seeking first the kingdom of God, God is going to give you, he's going to nudge you towards that ideal. And he's not going to leave you hanging. He's going to give you the fruit of the spirit to help you do that so you don't lose self-control, so that you don't get mastered by anything because you cannot serve two masters. And Jesus goes on in the same verse and says, you cannot serve both God and fill in the blank. The devil? Is that what he's going to say here? The world, the culture, yourself. No, no, here's what Jesus says. You cannot serve both God and money. What, is that in there? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. And what this really boils down to is you cannot serve God and at the very same time serve stuff and the chronic pursuit of more. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus, read the teachings of Jesus. He viewed money along with the quest for more as the chief competitor with him for our hearts. He said, I'm not worried about the devil and all this stuff. I'm worried about the influence and the pursuit of more that's going to grip people's heart. I'm worried about that. And, And his question to you and me would be something like this. Do you have money and stuff or does money and stuff have you? To which you might shrug and go, I don't think so because Frankly, I don't have enough of it for it to have me, right? (laughs) He's talking to somebody else. I would like to have more. I would like to have so much money that that I would struggle having it not have me. Like, if wealth is a difficult test to pass, I'd like to at least sign up and see for myself. (laughs) Come on, y'all. Real talk today. Real talk. 
So he ain't talking to me because I don't have enough for him to be talking to me. So who's he talking to then? Right? Is it possible that Jesus is talking to a group of people, I'm going to raise my hand, who get home from work in the afternoon and see multiple Amazon Prime boxes sitting on the porch there, and I look at them, and they have my name on it, and I don't even know what's in them, and I ordered it. It's like, it's Christmas. Santa came. Who's it from? Oh, it's from me. What's in it? I don't know. Could it be that he's talking to us? He's talking to everybody, right? And here's why. Because everyone is at risk of making money, myself included, and stuff, and the security we think money brings, their ultimate pursuit, their ultimate concern in life, which then makes it their ultimate, which makes it their master, their Lord. Not me, Danny. I serve God. He's the master and the Lord of my life. I'd say that too, but that's not what matters, what I say. And listen, here's the deal. Everybody, like Hansel and Gretel, leaves a trail of crumbs. It's a trail of our time and our emotion and our allegiance, of our investments and of our money and of our stuff. There's a trail of all that. And when you follow that trail, not our words, not our words, when you follow that trail of energy and time and money and investment, at the end of everybody's trail is a throne and you don't get to each person's throne by them telling you who or what's on their throne when you get to that end of that trail you're going to find that something or someone is on the throne and some of us are going to get to the end of the trail of crumbs of time and energy and money and at the end of the trail sitting on that throne is our education or our house or our career or our stuff or our hobbies or this relationship that has reached idolatry proportions in our lives. And I'm not here to crack on any of these things. They're all good stuff. But you have to realize, and I have to realize, what's most valuable to me by where my allegiance is going. And this is most valuable to me by how much time or, or how much money I spend. And I want to say with my words, God, you're first, and I worship you, and I sing these, all these songs to you. I put you first in my life. But what Jesus is saying here in this text is that's not how you evaluate your worship. It's not our words that express our allegiance. It's, the, it's our way of life. And my life will tell you who or what is on the throne of my life. Now, here's the deal. And this is only for those of you who call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus. The rest of you can die. Good luck with that, y'all. Good luck. Right? Think about how easy it is for us, for, for we believers, to trust Jesus with our sin. God. I did this thing, I thought this thing, I, I said this wrong thing. I feel, feel guilty about it, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? And the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins. Woo, that's a good one, right? So we're like, yeah, that's easy to do. How, it's so easy for us to go to God in prayer going, God, my heart is broken, my heart is heavy. We can take our sorrow to him, Lord. You were there in the doctor's office today. Please don't let my husband die. Please don't let my grandmother die. Please, you heard what they said. Please, God, help us. And it's easy for us to take him, our stuff to God when we're hurting and broken. I want you to think about this. Most of you in this room today, at some point in your life, you have trusted God so much that you have placed your eternity in his hands. You at some point prayed a prayer where you said, God, I love you. I want to follow you. I'm sorry for what I've done. Would you, would you be my Lord and be my Savior? I'm trusting you with my eternity, and we trust that God does what he says that he would do. But isn't it interesting 
how hard it is for us to trust God with our money and with our stuff. I'll trust you with my eternal destination, but God hands off over here on my stuff. Wow. What is that about me that makes it hard for me to do this? This is why Jesus says what he says in this verse. He's like, when it comes to following me and putting me first, don't tell me about your intentions or your feelings or your good thoughts. Show me the... No, he doesn't really say that at all, right? <laughs> Some people, young people are like, what does that even mean? It's an old, <laughs> only the people that are like 35 and up understand what I just meant right there. Because he never asked anybody to give him any money. Go read, right? This wasn't about him getting money. You know what this is about? This was about him wanting to get you and your heart. And so he was clear. And even though this, this will sound harsh to people who are like, ah, I don't like that. He's saying, you know, if you haven't surrendered what you have, you haven't really surrendered. If you haven't trusted him with what you have, then he would say, I don't have access to your heart at all. And he would say, if that's true of you, then you and I have opted for the lesser master. And that's why he started teaching Matthew chapter 6, which is our key text. You go read the very first part of Matthew 6, he starts talking about, hey, I want you to give to the needy. I don't want you to make a big deal about it. I just want you to give privately. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is. I want you to give to the needy. And then he does this whole discourse on things and possessions and, and stuff. And then he finishes that chapter with, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That the key to, to, to keeping the pursuit of more and the, and the infatuation with the latest and the greatest uh, out of the driver's seat of our lives is to prioritize something else above them, right? So Jesus says, you want to get this right? You want to live in freedom, not concerned and worried all the time about what, what's, what's, where, where, how am I going to get this and how am I going to get that? You want to live a different kind of life? You want to have control over yourself so that your lack of self-control, especially in the area of finances, doesn't continue to get you in trouble or embarrass you? I want you to start getting better at the ideal, at seeking first the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom has always been and will, has always been and will always be an others first kind of kingdom. And yet you and I live in a world that is a me first kind of kingdom. And Jesus, while he walked on this planet, modeled so fearlessly, so courageously this notion of putting others first. And he's inviting us to walk with him in that kind of priority system. And his promise is that when we do this, when we put him first in all of the areas of our life, we're going to actually find more peace and more joy and more purpose and more fulfillment. And by living this way, our lives become a means to an end. And the end is not just about me and mine. It's what God is trying to do in this world, in the hearts and lives of people. It's about me investing myself a a into what I, and what I have into that seeking first his kingdom. Man, you know what, Danny? That's, that's pretty good, bro. I, I think that's pretty good what you just said right there. But, dude, I got to tell you, bro, I know that's the ideal, but I'm way over here in the real. And over here in the real, we're, we're trying to pay for college, and I got cars and house payments that are not going to pay themselves. And there's all this pressure on my finances, man. I see that that's the ideal, but, man, this is the real. And this is why Jesus, because of the real, this is why Jesus doesn't finish with, hey, seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. He finishes with, and all of these things that everybody else is worried about will be given to you as well. It, it's like he's saying with this, this, this part of the verse, I love you, 
And I want you to know that I know all the stuff that you worry about and all the stuff that, that you have to get done and all these things that have to be paid for and all the stuff that it takes to live in that modern 21st century said, they're all going to be given to you as well. I just need you to trust me with the first. I thought I might get one amen, but nobody did. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I'll just be up here by myself hanging out. Don't put you first is what Jesus is saying. Don't put your stuff first. Don't put your kingdom first. Do you know why he says this? Because when we put us and our kingdom first, we eventually come in last. And many of us have found this out the hard way, and we've suffered great loss because we were us first kinds of people. And you are a created being, and I am a created being, and we are created to seek first our creator. And when we get this out of order, it creates disorder in all parts of our lives. Why do I have all of this struggle around my finances and all of this? It's about God first. And when we don't do it, it creates, not as a punishment from God, it's just the way things work, it, become, it creates disorder. So what do we do? What do we do? Because I'm over here in disorder, Danny. I'm over here, got some chaos. I, I got, I, I'm living on more than my means. What do I do? We have to put something else on the throne other than our stuff and our wants and our wishes and our desires. Maybe we're over here in the real and we're not perfect, so what do we have to do? We have to practice. We have to take some steps in this area and some practices that we can put to work right now as we can start with the practice of gratitude. We practice gratitude. God there's some days I wish I had that house or that car or that other thing over here, but I want to tell you, I am so grateful for what I already have. And like, if you'd never help me get anything else, I am so grateful that all that I have comes from you because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father, right? And, 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 and all that I have comes from you, and you gave me the ability that I have, and you gave me the giftings that I have that have helped me do what I've done, that helped me through college, and helped me through whatever, and helped me to learn how to, to work in this area. I'm so grateful, and it's all about you, and we just start to practice that, and it will not be our natural instinct. Our natural instinct will be to complain and fuss and worry about what we don't have, and so we practice, God, thank you so much for what you've already given me. And this starts to move the ball down the field. And then we practice generosity. So here's a good model. So first, it's seek first the kingdom of God in my finances. Then it's save for your kingdom second. Come on, y'all. And then we live on the rest. Like if you taught your kids this right now, hey, kids, let me tell you something. It's first God's stuff, first God's kingdom, and then you save a percentage for your kingdom, and then we're going to all live on what's left. If you were to do that, if you were to do that, it would change your life. We practice prioritizing something or someone else over ourselves. And this becomes the tangible evidence that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life. This is how lordship works. Money, you are not the boss of me. Woo! Get a shirt, man. You are not the boss of me. Anyways, last year, you guys can, yeah, they're already there. Uh, last year. They're ninjas, just sneaking up on behind me and whatnot. Last year, I read an amazing book called Atomic Habits. It's by James Clear. It's one, to me, one of the great books ever written on how to go from there to there. It's one of the greatest books there are about how to go from there, from the real to the ideal. And the author, author talks about uh, keystone habits. 
It was not a, a thing I had been familiar with before. But the idea of keystone habits, is, these are small choices that I start out my day with or that, I, that I, I start out my year with that lead to other great choices. So, for instance, he said that very ma- a lot of successful people will start out waking up, and the first thing they do is they make their bed, and then they're like, whew, I accomplished something right off the bat, and it becomes a keystone habit that leads to so many other great decisions throughout the day because they started off feeling good about what they did the very first thing. Keystone habit, right? So gratitude, keystone habit. It leads to a lot of other great outcomes. Generosity, keystone habit. It leads to a lot of uh, 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 great outcomes. And when we have generosity and gratitude working in tandem, it leads to a deeper and a richer and a stronger faith and confidence in your Heavenly Father. Because when you put Him first in a tangible, measurable kind of way, it changes everything. I'm not joking. It changes everything. And will ultimately everything else will follow that decision to be gracious, to be gra- uh, grateful, and to be generous. Jesus said, it's really kind of a hard thing that he said, actually, that the litmus test of our devotion to God is not what we say, it's our willingness to put him first in the area of money and possessions and finances, which is a hard thing. So the practice of gratitude and the practice of generosity help us move from where we are where God wants us to be in this area, and this applies to all of us. Everybody's generosity matters. Everybody's generosity counts. What if this world was not, was we, we only had to rely on the government to get us everything that we needed in life, that we never had the opportunity to ask a neighbor for a helping hand, or we could never talk to somebody for a family? What if there was no generosity? What kind of world would we live in? Because, like, I'm not a political person, like, like, I'm not, but we cannot count on our government to bail us out all the time. Come on, somebody. I, I, I don't know what y'all are waiting for, but I know now, I've been waiting, they just keep taking stuff from me. Yeah. Anyways, what if there were no generosity? How bad would this world be? Everybody's generosity matters. Everybody's generosity counts, and giving is actually an act of strength. It's an act of dignity. As a matter of fact, Jesus was one time in the temple watching people give in the offering, and people were making a big show of what they gave. And this little widow woman came. She had two mites. Just imagine two pennies. And, but it turned out that was all she had, and she put it into the offering plate, and she sa- he said to his disciples, you see that lady right there? She just gave the most here. And, and her name is going to, we're going to remember her forever. As a matter of fact, almost 2,000 years later, I'm talking about her because of what she did that day. It was dignifying. It was strengthening, even though she didn't have to seem to have much. And the idea here is not that just that everybody's giving is needed, is that everybody needs to give, not just for the sake of others, but because of what it does inside of our own hearts. The practice of generosity puts us into the jet stream of kingdom reality, and God is saying, trust me in this. Seek first my kingdom and see if you can trust me with this. Malachi is an Old Testament prophet. He's talking about in one place, the practice of tithing, which is giving God the first 10% that comes to you. And God says this incredible thing after he talks about this in in verse uh, 10 of chapter 3. He says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is the only time, so far as I know, anywhere in all of the Bible, where, where as it relates to one of the commands of God, God actually invites people, test me. I, I, I double dog, triple dog, cross my heart, needle in my eye. Remember how gross that was? Like needle in my eye. Like, I dare you. 
Try me in this. See if I'm not being truthful here. Put me first in the areas of your life and, and see if I won't take care of all of the rest. Try me. Put, put, put your money in, into God's work. Put the first of it into God's kingdom activity. Put it into building the church, serving the poor, helping people come to know Jesus. Put it somewhere where that's happening. And then he says your, your heart will naturally follow your money because Jesus said wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Because some of us are like, I don't want to do this. I don't like to do this. But sometimes we have to, do, I don't want to go to the gym either, and I haven't yet. I don't want to eat grass and seeds. I'd rather eat carnitza than Big Red every day. Come on, y'all, I could eat it every day. But some days I got to go, no, no. And I don't want to do this. I don't want to eat grass and seeds. Sometimes I have to take a step. And God invites me, take a step and see if I won't pour out blessings on you. So we practice generosity, and here's how we do it. We just start by praying, God, would you help me? Would you help me around this area? And you know why you need to pray that? Because some of us in this room right now, because I've been around this a long time, some of us in the room right now are going, I can't believe this guy's talking about this. Of course he's talking about this. Preachers are always talking about money. Always money, 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 money. Instead of doing that, what if you said, God, why do I feel this tension in my heart? Why do I feel such resistance in my heart about this? Instead of it always being somebody else's problem, what if you just said, search me, oh God, and see why do I have so much anxiousness and so much tension around this subject? God says, hey, it's cool, man. I got, I got grace for you. I know you're struggling with this. I got grace for you. So we just start there. God, help me to understand why this matters. Help me to understand how this will move my heart forward. Closer to you, not further from you. Help me. And, th- and then maybe you start by saying, hey, babe, let's look down. If, you, if you're not married, you say, babe, to the fictitious person that should be there. And you're like, why aren't you there yet? <laughs> Single people, young people, someday I'm going to be saying babe to somebody. Hey, how much did we give last year to the purposes of God? The study so, show, says that the average Christian in America gives around 2% of their income towards the purposes of God in the world. Okay, 2%. What if you just started, for, I'm, I'm going to challenge you, and listen, I'm not the boss of you, but neither is money. I'm not the boss of anybody, right? I can't tell you what to do. I'm not going to. I wouldn't presume to tell you that. I'm just going to tell you what the word says, and you do with it whatever you want. What if you said, hey, I think we only gave like 1%. What if you just said, okay, we're going to start, we're going to make a decision over the next 60 days to do 2%. There's an ideal over there, but we're over here in the real. Babe, I'm committing. We're going we're gonna to take one step. Jesus, God says, you can trust me in this. You can test me in this and see, see, see. If you take one step, I'll meet you there. I'll give you grace. And before long, you're going to start walking in this and you're going to start seeing the blessings and the grace and the favor of God. I'm not talking about some name it and claim it nonsense. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the word of God being activated in your life, right? 60 days, you choose a percentage and you be consistent, and you make it happen. You give it, you give it to wherever God's purposes in the world are going to. You give it to I said this about, about serving last week. Like some of you were like, ah, I'm not going to serve. I don't, have that t- I don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for that. But let me ask you something. Is zero honoring to God nothing? I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just saying, ask yourself, is zero honoring to God? And I would say it around this area too. Is zero honoring to God? Now, I know it's hard for some folks because according to Dave Ramsey, Americans are living on 109% of their income, which is a problem because you only have 100% to work with, but we're, we're spending 109% of our income. It's called credit card debt and consumer debt, right? It's hard. 
It's not hard for me because my parents raised me this way. So since I've been a little kid, this is what we did. My mom would give me a dollar, and she'd say, Daniel, I want you to get 10 cents, and we'd have these little yellow bitty envelopes, and we'd stick it in there, and I'd be like, it's 10 cents, Mom. Do it anyway, son. Do it anyways. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. So since I've never not done this, and all through my life, I'm so glad my parents have raised me this way because, frankly, I, it's extraordinary what God has done through my life and in my wife's life, all through our marriage and with my kids. And I'm teaching my kids this. Some of you are teaching your kids this as well. Do you know why I'm teaching my kids about this? We had a conversation about it last night. It just kind of accidentally came up. We talked about this. You, you know why? It's not because I want the church or some other organization to get my kids money. We're talking to our kids about this because we don't, get, we don't want money to get our kids. I want them to live in the freedom of trusting God and knowing that God's going to provide and I'm seeking his kingdom first and I can cast all my cares on you because you care for me and I'm going to prioritize what you're doing in my community, Lord, in my church and in my world. I'm making that a priority for my life, Jesus, so long as you'll help me do it. Amen, somebody. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you so very much for the word of God. This is never, never about pressure or condemnation, not at all. Sharing God's word. And you lead us and you guide us and your spirit nudges us. That's what happens. Your spirit nudges us. And sometimes we press back against it and we just need to stop and say, God, why am I so resistant? I'm praying you'd give us grace around this, that you'd help us to take steps because you say this is the chief competitor with us and you for our hearts. Help us around this, Lord Jesus. And maybe some of us just need to frankly start with just giving our hearts and our lives to you, that maybe we've never bowed the knee to you, maybe, maybe we never ask you to be the Lord of our lives, that frankly you're not on the throne of our lives because we've never asked you to be the throne on the throne of our lives, and so maybe we start there, Lord, be the Lord of my life, be the forgiver of my sins, God, be the master of, my, of it all, God, be the forgiver of all of my broken places, the healer of my broken places, Lord, I don't have anything to give, but I have the most valuable thing, and that's me. God, I give me to you, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to be directed by you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.